Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 24th of September 2014. And joining me on this edition are assistant editor Steve Withers. Every man dies. Every man really lives. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. Games editor Mark Botwright. I can fight. (laughs) (laughs) That was... And movies editor Simon Crust. I know you can fight, but it's our wits that make us men. Yeah, okay then. Uh, Welcome back to yet another AV Forums weekly podcast, a united AV Forums podcast, a united lineup that's snivelling in the background and we've got one missing miserable Englishman this week. Um, And if you excuse me for just one second, Steve? Steve? Yeah, I'll just blow my nose. (laughs) Since you just pointed out I was sniffing in the background. Hang on. (laughs) Yes, Phil? Has anyone died this week? Uh, Not that I'm aware of, no. There's still time, obviously, when we're recording. If someone dies within the next hour and a half, we'll put it in the podcast. You mean the next four hours? We're not going to last four hours, not on this one. (laughs) (laughs) If we get to an hour of you, well impressed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so in terms of breaking news in the world of AV, uh, this happened this week. It's been a rather slow news week. Uh, yeah, anyone would think that everyone has shot their bolts back in Ether and Apple <laughs> and everything else. And now they've well, got nothing left to say it's, until it's like It's like that period, um, if you're not in the AV industry, where Christmas and New Year's happened and you've now got January to get through. It's it's kind of like that period. It's strange. Nobody talking about anything at the minute. Um, so we yeah, have... partly because we didn't get any projector announcements, did we, really? Apart from the Epson one, um, which was a nice surprise. It's been... Uh, Usually this time of year we'd be going on about JVC and Sony and other people and it's been a bit quiet on that front, unfortunately. Yep. So uh, one thing that we have been doing uh, this past couple of weeks is putting together our buyer's guides for, for the this year and, and obviously the year ahead. And one of the, the subjects that you raised, Steve, um, and I'm not really sure whether we should... Uh, we might regret opening this up on the podcast, but it, it's one of these subjects where... Um, it's had a shed load of comments already and it's only been live less than 12 hours this piece um, curved TVs and you posed the question um, are they any better? Well, Think about curved TVs I mean you could you sit there and make lots of arguments and certain manufacturers do that they, they improve your viewing experience that um, you get better angles of viewing that because if you're off axis you're looking at these your far corner is actually more facing towards you so it improves contrast performance than you would get on a normal L, um, LCD TV they say it's more immersive which is kind of true if it's a big screen uh, less of a case on the say a 55 inch I mean you really can't call that immersive unless you're sat right in front of it I mean they say it'll give things more depth which is also true sometimes depending on the scene um, and I do find it's actually quite effective with, with making 3D really pop and have more depth to it than, than perhaps some of the flat TVs do. But the question is, you know, is it really just a, a, a cosmetic gimmick to um, differentiate TVs and get people to buy new ones? Which, you know, in all fairness to the manufacturers, I mean, let's be honest here, we bitch and moan. Well, certain readers do anyway. Um, but if they don't sell TVs and make money, they don't make any more TVs, okay? So they've got to actually sell these things and keep going. And they look, they're trying to sell into a saturated market in the UK and most of the Western world and the US and, and Japan. And these are saturated markets. People don't buy TV. Most people, not maybe maybe for foreign readers who maybe do buy every year, but most people don't buy a TV every year. They buy one every five years, maybe even every 10 years. Yeah, quite. So, you know, you're trying to sell TVs 
every year. And if you don't sell enough every year, you get shut down. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about only two weeks ago. We we're saying, you know, would Panasonic survive? You know, if they don't start making money in the TV division, then they, I mean, it's a big, huge conglomerate that makes plenty of other things that make money. So if they're not making money with TVs, why bother? And that's the problem. You know, if these companies don't make money, they'll stop making TVs. And what are we going to buy then? We'll end up with a bunch of cheapo brands knocking them out and they'll be rubbish. So, you know, I'm all for them trying to find ways to differentiate their products and trying to get some interest out of the consumer and to sell products. At the end of the day, they need to make money and sell TVs. Otherwise, they're not going to make any more TVs. Um, they ultimately, I, th I think largely it is uh, a down to a matter of personal preference. Some people some people love the curved TVs. You know, I think they look really great. I know one guy was pointing out that they don't look that great when they're on, on a wall, wall-mounted. I've seen some that have been wall-mounted I thought looked quite nice as well, but it's, it's true that the curve doesn't really go that well with a flat wall. But, um, and a lot of other manufacturers, I mean, obviously Samsung have kind of been leading this particular trend and all the other manufacturers have jumped on, on board now because pretty much everyone copies Samsung these days. And um, and I, did, I spoke to the, um, the chief of chief, no, chief operating officer of um, TP Vision Philips and said, you know, why are you bringing out uh, a curved TV? And he said, purely to give consumers choice. If they want to buy it, they can buy it. If they don't want it, they don't have to. So it's not really that they're particularly interested. They particularly believe that it's adding any real value, but everyone else is doing it and they want to be in there. Um, and I think that's that's going to be the case for a lot of the manufacturers. But I mean, certainly Samsung genuinely believe that, that having a curve to your screen um, adds to your viewing pleasure. Yeah. Some people probably agree with that. Some people won't. I, I think it's a bit of a Marmite thing. Basically, you're either going to dig them or you're not going to dig them. Um, reading, reading the feedback so far, the majority of people aren't, aren't that keen. The majority of enthusiasts aren't that keen. AV forum um, readers. Quite. But um, certainly when I've had curved screens, in 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 the lounge and people have come in you know and seen them like my parents thought they, they quite my parents thought it was great actually they really liked them people came in your parents and your girlfriend you don't have friends do you so, so don't pretend girlfriend that. when did that happen <laughs> <laughs> you really haven't got a long time I've been, I've been gone a little while but i mean what <laughs> yeah well well, so, phil, well phil was away in canada yeah yeah Not, right. no coincidence i don't think <laughs> after leaf <laughs> anyway, she wasn't particularly keen on the curve. So it made her eyes feel funny. <laughs> Are we talking about the TV now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't keen on the TV either. Uh, right. In all seriousness, it is a serious subject. Um, so I know that myself, uh, Mark Hodge, and Steve have seen curved TVs and been up close to them. Uh, Mr. Borey, have you seen a curved TV? Have you been up close to one? Um, nope. No, I haven't. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't feel any great enthusiasm to do so. Okay. Uh, put simply, I think it's it's. I think the, the manufacturers are slightly almost playing with fire a bit here, which is, it's fine to say that you're giving people choice, but if you continue throwing out lots of kind of small little iterations, little things that could be dismissed as being gimmicky sooner or later people just stop kind of paying attention and i don't think they're they're getting that feeling that in fact there's there's a kind of upgrade cycle that in fact the technology is getting better it just feels like they're bolting on more things to it which makes people kind of almost um step back from it and, and want to wait until there is something truly groundbreaking another real generational leap in the technology before they even bother thinking about upgrading yeah i mean it's an interesting comment i've heard very similar mark um 
from from people that I know, and I'm not going to name them, and I'm not going to name the companies, but certainly they've said, you know, it feels like certain companies out there are throwing as much as they can and hoping that something's going to stick. And it seems to be that they're doing that with TVs, they're doing it with mobile phones, they're doing it with tablets, and they're just throwing out as much as they can, hoping that something's going to stick and, and the consumer's going to like one of the things that they throw out there. And to a certain extent, I kind of agree with what they're saying there, because with OLED... Um, one of the big things with OLED was the flexibility of the screen. Um, so you could understand why LG and Samsung went with a curved OLED screen because A, it was showing off how slim the screen is and also the flexibility that you can flex an OLED screen. But then we suddenly got all these LED LCD TVs. We've got Samsung saying that they're not really that interested in OLED. We'll come back to your interview in a, in a sec, Steve, with Mr. Kim because he did say some really quite interesting things in that interview. I don't get it. I, I just don't get the sudden need for the curved screen other than, they're try- like you say, Steve, they're trying to sell TVs, they're trying to create a marketplace, and I'm not pointing just at Samsung here. Everybody's at this. Uh, well, everybody apart from Panasonic, I think, have, have released a curved screen. There is no technical reason that I can see, and it seems a bit gimmicky, and I think the public, certainly our readers think it's gimmicky, and I think the public at large as well maybe see it the same way and could, as Mark suggests, get a bit you know, tired of, of all these different things coming along and, and trying to get uh, the consumer to spend when they necessarily don't need a new TV at this moment in time or the technology's no different to what they have at home other than the curve. They're, some, they're selling quite well, aren't they, though? With the 4K ones, Samsung say three out of every four TV, uh, 4K TVs they're selling is, is a curved one. And that's not, that's not because uh, how many, the choice. Uh, how many uncurved? Flat, how many uncurved 4K TVs does Samsung have, and how many are they selling? Yeah, well, that's it. You don't get the hard, you don't get the hard numbers, so you've got to guess the numbers are low. But even even that's 75 percent is quite indicative that people are actually quite liking it on the shop floor. I yeah. mean, uh, my own personal feelings of it, it doesn't really, it does nothing for me whatsoever. Uh, but then it doesn't really do any detriment to the picture. So uh, you know, I'm just, I can take it, or leave it, really. But um, I've, I've, yeah. I've sat like five feet away from the 105 inch curved um, Samsung screen. And yes, you know, you get that, wow, this is this is quite immersive. I'm sitting five feet away, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it's a 105-inch screen. Now, A, there's not many people going to be able to afford the 105-inch curved screen or have the or space for it, it or fit it in the lounge. <laughs> um, and you're not really going to comfortably sit five feet away from it. No, so, I mean I had a sixty-five inch one there, and I was and I was sitting five foot, and it was it was just the odd time, the odd scene, and as Steve says, a three D. But you, you you almost find yourself waiting out for these scenes, so you, you're kind of spoiling your enjoyment. So you you're justifying the curve almost. You, you're just waiting for something with a, a depth of field shot to get to, you know to actually give it some slight bit more impact. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I think what upset me about the curve trend was it seemed to get in the way of OLED emerging. So we were expecting CES last year to be the real sort of launch pad for OLED and uh, multiple manufacturers doing it. And then all we got was curved LEDs, really, wasn't it? Which was okay. slightly disappointing. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to our uh, movies editor. Simon, uh, what do you think of it? Have, a, have you seen one? Have you been up close to one? And what do you think of the whole curve and, and giving you the movie experience as the claim? Okay, well, yeah, I've been up close and personal, but not in a home environment, only in a uh, shop floor environment. And uh, I don't really, don't really do much for me at all. Um, the 4K curve does look quite good. The otherwise, I can't see it doing anything for me at all. I even sat in the, um, I even sat in the, uh, where was this? Um, Danny Morden, I can't remember the name of the shop, but they had one of these, the, 
home cinema setups with the with the 7.1 with the big 3D and and the the curved screen. And I'm sitting there going, it's, uh, no, I much prefer my Curo. I don't know what that says about me. Old maybe. And are we are we being negative for negative sake? I mean, this is something that yeah, I guess the finger could be pointed. I, I mean, I'm. I am surmising here that, that the vast majority of the listeners to this podcast do not see the point of a curved screen. They see no technical reason to have a curved screen. Um, so probably not on board with it. But at the same time, and it's something that Simon mentioned, it's something that Mark's mentioned, um, it's something that you mentioned, Steve, is they do look nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no question that um, I think some of the Samsung curved TVs are very attractive um, the, you know, with the curve stand and, and everything i mean they're they are good looking tvs and if you talk to samson and you know he said look we don't you know we don't just produce stuff on the off chance someone might be interested in it they thoroughly market research this stuff before they ever get around to actually producing them you know they try they, their argument is we create what consumers want and not necessarily create things and then try and convince the consumer to consumer to buy it you know because th- their argument is we don't want to just create stuff and then try and, and then try and convince people to buy it, which i think is, is a valid point and, and certainly you know they said it's been selling very well that the feedback's been excellent from consumers um now again you could say you know yes 75 percent of their 4k tvs are, are, have been have been curved ones that they sold but that's probably how many of their 4k tvs are actually curved because i don't think only this 7500 is flat right mark no, there's another one, isn't there? HU... Uh, Was the H200? H2, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it, it, they're particularly choice-limiting it. But I just, it just seemed to be more popular with, with the consumers. But, of course, they are marketing it extremely heavily. So everything's yeah. about the curve with Samsung now, isn't it? So everything everything you see is curved-based. So I guess it's the power of marketing. And, it, and it's not just Samsung. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Samsung here. But at IFA, it was everybody bar Panasonic, basically. I mean, even Sony had a, had a curved screen, which I was quite surprised at. I didn't think they would go down. Uh, that particular road after what they did kind of said in their press conference at CES I kind of got the feeling that they were along with Panasonic not really sure about but I guess if Samsung are selling them if LG are selling them if everybody else is selling curved TVs um, I guess it's only a matter of time before Panasonic have to jump on board and, yeah. and curve their well, TVs sure as well. I'm take the same view that um, TP Vision Philips did, which is, you know, um, at least give the consumer the choice. So if they want one, they can buy it. If they don't, they don't have to. Um, but I guess it's, you know you don't want to be left out or left behind and suddenly find that everyone's making curves and everyone's buying them and, and you haven't got one at least to put on, on, you know, in the shop floor. So Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing I'm going to pick up on from your interview with Mr. Kim was uh, OLED. Yeah. So basically he's talking about market research, what people want and all the rest of it. So I'm surprised that they still are not fulfilling the promise with OLED. No, I mean, he was very honest about OLED. He said, look, it's uh, as far as we're concerned, it's too comp- too difficult to make and too expensive to make currently. Um, you know, it's just not viable as a mass market uh, product. Uh, he's not entirely sure it ever will be. Um, and he said, we think that we can deliver equally as good performance from an LCD television as you can get from OLED. Anyway, possibly, and this is what he said, um, a performance that could surpass it. Um, using other technology so you know it looks as though at least for the time being samson are you know they had some oled screens there didn't they fulfill but they they basically are saying we're going to concentrate on 4k and lcd technology um push that as far as technology will go um, and i guess you know if you think about it, if they can deliver a good looking picture at an attractive price then they're going to sell, aren't they? I mean, this is a competitive market. It's but then you got to look at LG, who I mean, they're they're OLED at the minute. That's on sale at the minute is two nine nine nine. Yeah, that's the old one from two years ago, right? Right, but 
you know, there, there's one there which is now getting into affordable money. It is a 1080p screen, but it's still an absolute cracker. And the price is coming down now. So it could be that Samsung and everybody else get left behind because LG have caught on early on that um, to do this technology, you do it with filter, basic, um, with, a, with a filter over the top, you know. And then they don't have the issues of the proper okay. RGB system. Which is of decay time, especially with blue, because blue seems to seems to last no time whatsoever. That's the problem that Samsung are supposedly having. So it could be the LG run away with OLED, and you know I'm surprised that Samsung are are going along that line. Which is probably worth bearing in mind, as he said, you know, in order to uh, get OLED to a point where it's going to be a um, mass market product with you know a realistic price point, it's going to require a gigantic level of investment, which is I think pretty much what LG have been doing. So LG are taking a bit of a risk here. Yeah. Because if it doesn't this, work out, they could really be stuck. But at the same time, we spoke to Toshiba. Um, I had uh, a closed-door meeting with, um, with two of the head TV people from Panasonic. And they said that they are now, um, when it comes to panel, panel agnostic. So they will buy in what they can from the marketplace and then add their electronics and everything else on top of that, which is really quite an interesting thing for especially those two companies to come out and say that, um, that they will buy in, which immediately says to me, well, if LG are selling their OLED panels cheap enough, then LG are going to make a killing. It's, it's going to be like JVC with VHS. Possibly. I mean, I, I'm sure that's what LG are hoping will happen. They're already clean up in, in the panel market, in the LCD panel market. They sell, you know, LG display sells tons to third parties, doesn't it? Yeah. A, a lot of the TVs we, we review are IPS panels that, come, that originate from LG. And if they can, as you say, they can position themselves in the market with OLED like, like that, they're going to be in an extremely strong position. Do you think Samsung's um, heavy concentration on curved TVs possibly is to fudge the OLED issue? You know, because obviously it was going to be... <laughs> well, well, yeah, LG coming out, you know, mark, yeah. we're marketing the OLED TV and, and they've got this curve to show off and they, well, LG can, oh, Samsung can just say, well, we've got the curved TVs, you know, as far as the consumer's concerned. You know, what, do, do they know the difference between a curved LED and a curved OLED? No, they won't. There's going to be a degree of consumer don't. confusion, isn't there, about this? Mm -hmm. Because when those first OLED TVs came out, as Phil said earlier, they were curved because you can easily curve an, an OLED screen. It's, it's very flexible. And it made them differentiate them from normal TVs. So they, and because obviously people are already going to say, well, how is an OLED TV different from the LED TV I've already got? Because that's what they've been pushing them as for the last five years. Now, if yeah, if you have all, all your LCD televisions are curved as well, it's going to make it difficult for LG to differentiate their OLED product or any other manufacturer for that matter from from everything else that's in the shop. It, it's the same with 4K and 1080p and curved, and it it seems to be that every part of the market has now has a curve at some point so you're gonna have 1080p tvs that are curved you got 4k tvs that are curved it used to be that it was just the 4k tvs but now we've got 1080 it just seems like everything's going to be curved at the minute and your smartphone of course yeah so yeah well if you watch avatar they've got curved screens in that so maybe james cameron was just ahead of the curve there maybe exactly oh, ahead, of the, oh, ahead nice. of the curve <laughs> nice. <laughs> boom tish CDs in the foyer. Thank you. I'll be here a week to either veal. Play the tumbleweed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I mean, I mean, like I said, it's at the end of the day, they've got to sell tellies, Otherwise, they're not. They're going to go out of business. Yeah, so I, I know exactly what you're saying, it. Steve. But at the same time, and and I guess you know, as enthusiasts, um, the same as the forums members, we we've heard all this before. And like you say with LG as well, they they're a little bit guilty of crying wolf. Um, 
you know, we've heard the the PR spiel before. We can make an LED TV look better than the plasma. Uh, we can make LED TV look better than OLED. Um, I don't buy it. All they're doing is is they're making sure that they get their money's worth out of LCD panels because they are dirt cheap at the minute. They can be easily manufactured. They can be made to curved. They can be made flat. They can be made into this size, that size, the next size. It's where they're making their bread and butter. It's where they're selling TVs at the minute. And OLED's going to have to wait. And LG are making the investment. Um, I see other people buying their panels in and launching their, their things, but it needs to be at an affordable level. So I think at the minute... <laughs> You know, as enthusiasts, I think we're, well, I think we're kind of knackered for the next year or so in terms of any major advancements when it comes to TV tech because I think every major company, um, bar LG, are, are now sitting back and thinking, right, well, we're, we, we can see this in our PR, we can up the picture quality a little bit, but uh, let's just stick to selling LCD TVs. Yeah, probably most of them are just sitting there, particularly the not 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 counting the two big ones, but everybody else is now sitting there thinking, We've got to make some money in this market. So let's buy in the panels, let's go for the you know cheapest providers, let's keep cut the margins a bit wider, um, ship some volume. I mean, talking to T P Vision, you know, who who took over the, the Philips brand, when they took over the brand, uh, it was certainly in a lot of markets, certainly in the UK, you know, it really dropped off the radar a bit, hadn't it? People weren't buying Philips TVs and, um, you know, they had to rebuild that brand. So they were all about pushing relatively cheap models, getting some volume in there, getting some margin back. And now they're starting to do higher end models. But initially it was about getting uh, getting back in the market. I think Toshiba were doing something very similar. Sony have been very different. Sony are really putting their stall out. It's all 4K for them, isn't it? That's what their whole business structure is based around now is 4K. But Panasonic, you know, they're really kind of, with the exception perhaps of the, um, the 902, they're, they're looking for um, more volume, more margin, um, and actually making some money in that marketplace for once off, having been losing quite a bit in the last few years. Um, you know, and we all, you know, we all bemoan the fact that this time last year we heard the news that Plasma was going. Um, and unfortunately, a, a, a replacement that's equally as good in terms of picture quality has yet to appear. Very sad. Happy cue Christmas. The, cue the, cue the uh, sad <laughs> music, Phil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it, it, you know, that's, that's how it looks at the minute. And then normally, when we get to this point in a conversation like this, we say, but let's look at the projector market because that's where real enthusiasts look. <laughs> <laughs> Cue yeah. some more sad music, Phil. Some more sad music, unless unless you know you can go and buy a Sony projector, and there's still some JVCs out there you can go and buy. But you know what's well, what's happening to R and D? I mean, is it a case of the, the they were burnt last time around, and people the companies are just being really really careful in terms of the costs, their costs, when it comes to producing product? Are we now seeing the backlash of uh, you know what happened in 2008 onwards that? They're going to be far more cautious when it comes to R and D and R and D budgets, and we're going to find that we're living with the same technology for longer than we possibly might have been. Possibly, I mean, they really got burned on three D, didn't they? Basically, three D was a massive. Yeah, it was bomb. their own fault, wasn't it? Really, I mean, I think every commentator out there, every person in the industry said, "Why?" At the time, they said, Pardon "Why?" Steve. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was a big fan. Um, well, I think it's telling again the Mr. Kim at, at Samsung. And Samsung are the world's most successful television manufacturer, right? The biggest manufacturer of TVs in the world in terms of, you know, profits and market share. And they're, they're loath to do massive investment into OLED. 
So if they're not too keen on doing massive investment, then what chance have people like Panasonic or Toshiba or even Sony to a degree got? I mean, they just don't have the money to do that kind of investment. I mean, LG uh, clearly have decided that it's the future and they're going to put the money into it. And hopefully they, they succeed. I hope they do succeed because it's good for us if we get lots of nice cheap OLED TVs. But um, but it's a risk. It's a Just give me a second. I'm just doing a, uh, a quick uh, search here on Google. Samaritans. So I'm just looking up three three breasted three breasted girls triple breasted girls. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, so there was much in the way of hardware news, but we managed to fill in thirty minutes out of that slot. So well done, guys. Uh, we'll be back in a sec with some games news. So, Mark, am I going to need to use the uh, the old tumbleweed sound effect again, or is there some games news this week? No, well, there is a little bit of games news. Um, th- there hasn't been a lot. Um, Tokyo Game Show has been going on, but um, broadly speaking, that's kind of catered to the Japanese market. There haven't been any great surprises, but one thing did hit just before we went to record, which was uh, PlayStation TV. We finally got a European date and price for it which will be 14th of November, and it'll be £84.99. Okay, so for those of us that have no idea what PSTV is, uh, why don't you tell us? Well, it, it's basically, it's 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 a Vita in a box um, without a screen, really. Um, it's, it's designed to plug into your TV so you can play Vita games, um, you can download them, or you can use um, the cards uh, that they come on. You can download PSP games and PlayStation 1 Classics as well. Um, as long as you pair it with the DualShock 3 or DualShock 4 controller, then you've got gaming, a kind of a micro gaming console on a TV. But the kind of interesting feature of it that has a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of hankering after it, which is it acts as almost like a, a, a streaming box for your PlayStation 4. So you can stream... Uh, PS4 gameplay to a different screen. So if you've got your PS4 hooked up to one TV and that's, you know, in the lounge and the family TV or something like that, if you you need to for, you know, £85, you've got a box there that you can stream your games and be playing on another screen. Is that multiplayer stuff? Well, for anything. You know, single-player stuff, whatever you're playing on on your PS4, it's just streaming it to a different TV. What's Um, the lag like? I've not seen seen any reports. Uh, I've not actually read a single review on this product, but I can imagine the lag's quite bad, isn't it? Mm, Obviously, I'd I'd assume it it depends on your home network and how you're hooking it up as well. Um, You know, as as with anything streamed, obviously, you know, you, you would assume a little bit like with remote play on Vita or with the PSP, you know, anything multiplayer, you're not really going to necessarily want to play that way however you know for, for single player games i can't see how it's going to affect greatly for the vast majority of titles and um, one thing when, when it first kept was announced quite a while back was it march or something um there was the mention of third party apps now how's that going to unwind in the uk they're giving any details on that like you know the lights of the world's favorite internet tv service and and, and that kind of thing it, will it have netflix and and amazon tv and all this kind of stuff I think that's slightly up in the air at the moment. Um, I would assume that that does come through in time because I, I believe it's been out since I think since last year in Japan um, uh, when it was kind of called PlayStation Vita TV. Um, I think they've got Hulu on it, so therefore right. that would that would indicate that Sony are kind of fine with putting 
services that will rival their own, you know, Music Unlimited and Video Unlimited. Um, you know, I wonder how that will exactly work with regards um, streaming, obviously. I mean, you, it won't be simply a case of streaming from a PS4 that is streaming because you would assume that would put in a lot more lag. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't end up going down that route. Um I think the the biggest kind of hurdle for most people in in the short term will be the fact that it's still obviously because it's basically a Vita in a box it's still using Sony's proprietary memory so it's got 1 gigabyte on there you can expand it up to 64 gigabytes but you know they're not throwing anyone a bone to use that you know that SD card that's lying around or anything you've got to buy the the Vita memory cards I do like I really do like the sound of it and if I had a PS4 I think I'd definitely jump in straight in. Steve's got a PS4. Steve, you interested in this? Yeah, actually I would be. I would be if I had another TV <laughs> in the bedroom or something like that. Are you short of TVs? Buy a curved <laughs> screen and put it on. Not that I'm short of TVs. I just don't agree with TVs in the bedroom because I think the bedroom is for sleeping in. That's <laughs> good too. Yeah. Um, uh, so you need to escape from. <laughs> well, you're gonna have TVs <laughs> everywhere else. So I don't want it. But no, I mean, if you yeah, if you had a, a TV in a bedroom or TV in a study or something, and you wanted to play a bit of PS4, then actually, I think it's quite. Good. I did actually get a look at this, a little play with it at oh, wow. an Argos event back in the summer, and um, and it, it seemed like a really clever idea actually, and it's relatively cost-effective way of of getting. You know, additional access to your PS4 without having to buy another one. So I quite like the idea. I think it's good. But you're right, Mark. I, I imagine it would be just for playing games, you know, not for online gaming. You'd be much of a lag. You need to just be for playing against, even against, uh, you know, even playing a game on the on the PS4 itself. It might be a bit of a lag there. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been through this with remote play, which is, you know, for some people it works better than others. Um, certain titles it will obviously work better. Um, it's worth bearing in mind, I mean, if, if you're looking to kind of put it on a, on a second screen and you've got another very big screen, I think it's only going to be 1080i, 720p. So, you know, for, for PS4 games, if, if you take into account that you are streaming it anyway, and that's just going to be at best native 1080p, um, perhaps it won't make a great deal of difference, but it, it is what it is. It, it's under a hundred pounds. You're getting a, a streaming box that you can access your, you know, three hundred and fifty pound console from. And I, I think from Sony's point of view, it's it's kind of another another kind of satellite device, another thing they can put extra little services on. You know, if you look at the kind of Apple model, which is ubiquity, kind of having iTunes, having an App Store, having everything on various different devices. So it, it kind of mirrors the experience. And if they do kind of a, roll out um, PS Now, their, their streaming service for the, uh, you know, older PlayStation titles and, you know, right up to PS3 games, then it could be a, a great little box. I noticed uh, when I was at IFA, um, Philips were doing a demonstration of uh, Android TV platform and things like on live gaming, on live gaming. Um, and uh, I've got to say that the stream, the quality of stream gaming these days is getting much better. I was quite impressed with it, actually. So, you know, it's interesting uh, alternative to uh, having a, a console. That's the kind of thing, though. It, you know, you often see there have been lots of demonstrations, which I think the question with most people is, is always the same thing, which is how will it work on my home setup? How will it work on my network? You know, kind of download speeds, upload speeds can vary so wildly that, you know, it's the kind of technology that you imagine taking off very quickly in... You know, in the Far East, in in Korea, in in places that are very much hooked up with super fast broadband, that are getting speeds that most of us can only dream of. However, 
you know, if you've got like like a lot of people like Steve on the games team's got a connection that still makes, should we say, a, the average Skype call a little bit shaky. Then you've obviously, you know, you have to consider that. You have to factor that. Which I think that's possibly a reason why they haven't just gone full square for streaming. Everyone hasn't just looked to kind of bypass the console. While we have, while we have got another generation of, you know, traditional boxes that play discs. Just because perhaps we're just not at that stage yet. And uh, wrapping up with games, uh, games podcast was finally published. Uh, Mark, uh, people might not have uh, listened to it yet. So you've got to wait for quality, Phil. So what? Yeah, whatever. Um, so <laughs> That's why this one's so punctual. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, so why should people go and listen to it? Apart from the lovely Yorkshire accents. Well, obviously, other than the the lovely Yorkshire accents. Um, very much we, we go into Destiny. That's the kind of big topic at the moment, and so that's, I think, what, what most people are interested in. It's it's still kind of rumbling away in the background, and it, it's, it's strange even the, the fact that a, a discussion on something like Destiny, it can go on a while, but even the short time that the game has been out, it's it's shown that it's evolving so quickly. Um, can you tell me what else we chatted about on it? I, I actually listened. I can't tell you what you chatted about, but I did <laughs> What was the word actually doing in that sentence? <laughs> That's the first time. I've yeah, so, so I take it you listen to this podcast, do you, Mark? <laughs> Me? Yeah, I do. Over him? No, I don't think he does. Of course I do. Do I make the edit? How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we Someone doesn't die. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Has anybody died yet, Steve? Not that I'm aware of, no. I'm keeping an eye on the news so far, though. Everyone's healthy. Good. Uh, right, so that wraps up games, and we'll be back in a sec with movies. At this point in proceedings, everybody else goes for a pee, and Steve, what's at the cinema? Well, this week I went to go and see Pride, um, which is about, it's a true story, in fact, about um, gay and lesbian um, activists who basically raised a load of money to help support the miners during the miners' strike in 84, 85. And um, I've got to say, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic movie. It's funny, it's heartwarming, it's very moving at times, uh, it's got a great cast, uh, the performances are superb. It was easily one of the best films that I've seen so far this year. And not, not just, you know, because I'm a particularly left-wing. I mean, it's a very left-wing movie. Uh, um, you know, if you if you don't like the miners or you're a big Thatcherite, <laughs> you're probably not going to enjoy it. But um, it's a great movie. It's 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 really well done. I mean, obviously, it's based upon a true story. So that means you have a certain um, narrative path you have to follow. But I, like, I really like the way the film doesn't necessarily um, pander to what you expect. It doesn't, it's not over schmaltzy or sentimental, although it is, you know, there were times when I did, you know, blub a little bit. Um, it is genuinely moving. I, I think the cast, which includes Bill Nye, who's superb in it, as always, Paddy Considine, who's excellent. Melda Staunton's very good. Um, the, the young guy who plays sort of the main gay guy in it, one sort of whose idea it is to help support the miners. Uh, he's actually American, and I did not know that at all. He was really, really good playing... Um, uh, well, it's basically a, a, a sort of slightly camp Northern Irish accent. But, I mean, I mean, the fact he was American, really, I found incredibly surprising. He was superb in it. I mean, the whole cast is good. It's it's really heartwarming and sweet. And um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a really fun movie. And it's very, very funny at times. Um, so, in the, you know, in a week, you know, when we're getting sick of giant robots and stupid action films and films that are these days made to appeal to a mass international audience where slapstick and action and no dialogue and no real plot it's basically easier to sell it's really good to see a, s- a small english film that's actually 
really hits the nail on the head and, and um, it, it, you know, is, is both entertaining, funny and moving. Is it, so an, I is would, it an English film or is it a, a great British film? Well, it's uh, it was, it's actually BBC <laughs> films, so yeah, I think it's British. I was say, it sounds like a BBC thing. Yeah, so British, so it's a United. Production. I mean, only it's set in London and it's set in Wales, in South Wales. So um, yeah, it covers a fair bit of Britain. There's some very nice shots of the Seven Bridge, which made me feel quite homesick. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great movie. I, I, I give it. Uh, I, I think I give it nine out of ten. I'd say it's one of the most enjoyable films I've seen this year. And I've seen a lot of rubbish this year. I've got to say. We're not going to go into in great, any great detail, but you did raise a question about politics. Um, and what side of the fence that people fall on, um, and that this is quite quite left wing. Uh, did that in any way impede your enjoyment of it? Absolutely not. No, I mean I've read reviews. Uh, there's been one famous one that was in the FT where the guy was slagging it off for sort of perpetuating this uh, left wing myth of the minor strike. Now I remember the minor strike. I was you know I was eighteen, seventeen, seventeen, eighteen at the time. You know, and the, the, Thatcher, whatever you might think, Thatcher set out to break the miners. She used the police as a, a military force, effectively, to do that. There was a lot of violence on the picket lines. There was a lot of bad feeling. Um, the miners held out for a year. There was a lot of hardship. People were starving. There were food packages being sent out. They had no money, and which is what you know. These and the the, the, the sort of behind the, you know, the, the genesis of the plot in the film is that you know the gay people the, the, the gay lesbians felt you know they'd been abused by the police and spat on and treated badly and that's what's happening with the minors so they felt an empathy towards that and you know, and a certain brotherhood uh, and that's why they started raising money for them all of which actually happened so whether or not you agree with the minor strike and as it happens historically arthur scarga was absolutely right the the cold war did have a a, a list of mines that they, t- they tended they intended to close so it was actually all that what the ones were saying at the time was true um, I personally, you know, think that the film uh, doesn't actually go into it too heavily in, in terms of the background to what was happening at the time. You know, it, it's more about the people. You know, it's 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 a, it's a people story rather than just a, a big political. I mean, there is a degree of politics to it, but I think ultimately it's about the people rather than the politics. But I mean, there's, there's lots of films you could enjoy and not necessarily agree with the politics of that film. So regardless of your political beliefs or sexual persuasion. I think you'll find the film really enjoyable. Uh, right. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Steve. And uh, Simon, moving on quickly, uh, Blu-rays released next week. What are they? Okay. There's uh, a number of uh, that are coming out uh, next week. Um, a large number I actually haven't heard of. Fading Gigolo? No idea. That's, uh, directed by John Turturro with Woody Allen in it. Doesn't mean a thing. Who's Woody Allen? <laughs> <laughs> I jest, of course. No, I have not heard of that film. <laughs> Blended? Blended is a bloody awful uh, film with Adam Sandler and um, Drew Barrymore that looked so bad that if you had, if you were stuck in the cinema, you would have gnawed your own arm to get away from it. I mean, even Why is it in this list then? Well, it's coming out next week. I don't, we I'm shouldn't promote it. it. We shouldn't promote it. It's, it's, <laughs> if it's that bad, we shouldn't promote it. Let's, let's not even mention it. That's, that's okay. a shame because Sandler and, and Barrymore... They have made a few good ones in the past. Yeah, well, some yeah, really yeah. Good ones, Wedding yeah. Singer. Yeah, Wedding Singer is one of my favourite films. Yeah, that's a great movie and it's really sweet. And I, I didn't even mind Fifty First Dates, which was kind of funny. But the tr- this one just looks like a steaming pile of shit. It says any like, films, spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, that, put that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> is that a new recommendation badge? <laughs> steaming pile of shit. <laughs> Moving on, the following, season two. I didn't even see season one. What's Any your ideas? job title, Simon? <laughs> eh? Yeah, well, 
you know, I like I like what I watch when I watch what I like, but I've never heard of this. Actually, I've never seen the following. Who has anyone else seen it? No, I've, no I have no idea where it is. It's no, not a Netflix only thing. Okay, Hoskinson, moving on. You must have seen it. You see every TV series. I don't, I don't. No, no, I've not seen the following. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Great stuff. We're doing well. No, it's got Kevin Bacon in it. It's not like it's you know an unknown okay. series. Yeah, but he's in everything. Is that the one where he tells you which mobile phone to buy? <laughs> <laughs> it's a serial killer thing. Yeah, another. Yeah, it's James. Killer. It's James Purefoy, who's a who I like because he's a West Country boy. Um, and um, but not in Kevin that Bacon. one. It was created by Kevin Williamson, who also created Scream. And so in it, a brilliant and charismatic yet psychotic serial killer communicates with other active serial killers and activates the cult of believers following his every command. Actually, it's actually this this sounds actually quite good. <laughs> sounds quite good. <laughs> I'd love to watch that. Season, season two. one's on Netflix, by the way, <laughs> just to get a quick plug in as usual. <laughs> it, it's on the N-word, is it? Oh, well, I'll have to go and watch it then. Um, right, quickly, Simon, what else is available? <laughs> okay, carrying on, carrying on. Uh, Black Sails, season one. About pirates, maybe? Top notch. No idea. That's excellent. Mm? That's excellent. Is that really good, yeah? Over-the-top TV series, yeah, yeah, really, really good. Lots what, in of, the vein um, of violence. Or like yeah, 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 like in the vein. It's, it's Spartacus on the sea, basically, like that kind of thing. Um, ah. Lots of sex violence <laughs> over-the-top CGI. Yeah, it's good, good fun. Brilliant. Sounds like a purchase there, then. Um, and now is something we have yeah, heard of. Uh, Walking Dead Season 4. Um, I'm really looking forward to this, because, um, I, you know, I don't have the uh, Netflix or whatever, so um, coming out on Blu-ray. You make it sound like a disease, Simon. <laughs> well, you know. It could be. <laughs> and and so what is uh, that one. And the disc recommendation of next week is? Uh, for me, it'd be The Professionals, which well, isn't on this list, but it is coming out on Monday. Okay. Season two of The Professionals. Okay. And in glorious uh, HD. And if it's anything like the first season, it'll be fantastic. Okay, so that's uh, the Blu-rays coming out next week. And uh, obviously, something I was made aware of, uh, because I read The Running Order. <laughs> Friends. The TV sitcom started 20 years ago and it ended 10 years ago. Um, and Steve has put in in writing on a on a page here: Is it the greatest sitcom ever? No, it was absolute tripe. I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. I really have no interest whatsoever in 20-something middle-class 20-somethings in uh, another country doing stupid things that they just wouldn't do in real life. And I just did not get it whatsoever. Anybody else? Mm. I, I didn't mind it. I, I was certainly nowhere near the best sitcom ever. ever but you know, I, di- I didn't mind it. I, I was uh, probably in a new relationship, so I probably had to sit there and watch it with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, Matt, hang on, twenty years ago, that was nineteen ninety. You wouldn't have remembered it anyway, Mark. No, that's true. I probably just sat there and had days thinking it's all right, and she was quite pretty, whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a hateful show. It was, you know, kind, kind of easy watching. Um, and it did mature over time. It got better. The characters got more defined. Um, and there were some good catchphrases in it. It wasn't hateful. I wouldn't say best sitcom ever, not by a long shot. Um, but it had a massive following at the time. Yeah, I but don't know, so it, does... it seemed to hit a chord at the time with a certain um, yeah, but degree of people. You've got that now with, uh, what, what's that one, the Big Bang Theory. You've got that one. Yep. And uh, what was the other one, How I Met Your Mother or whatever it is. And they all kind of follow the same thing, don't they? And And... I just I could never get into it. I just it there was nothing there that I could relate to. Every time you watch an episode of Friends, it, it's like oh it's the one with that. And, oh my god, it's the one with that. And you realise that there's so many funny scenes in just one half hour episode, twenty minute episode. So I, I would love the show. It's, I think it's really funny. I think the characters are well defined. The actors were well chosen to play those parts. Um, it's very funny. I mean, it's yeah, you know, so, yeah. They, it's they, one thing to say forty powers. Is, roles, have they? 
No, not at all. And none of them have really had successful film careers since. Um, they've always been in the shadows of those. Th- I mean, yeah. even Jennifer Aniston, who you'd probably say out of, out of them all, has been the most successful outside of Friends. I mean, she's done some bloody awful films, hasn't she? So she would just get a new agent for one thing. But it, it, I think it's a great show. I think, you know, you, it's easy to say, oh, 40 Towers is the greatest sitcom of all time. It, there's 12 yeah, episodes of 40 Towers. 12 episodes. You have to do 24 a season, and there were 10 seasons. That's 240 episodes of Friends. And it'd be consistently funny for 240 episodes. I yeah, but that's, that's assuming that you think it was funny to start with. It's hysterical. No, it's not hysterical. I know it's totally subjective, but would... Did you laugh as much as you did when you were watching Faulty Towers? Yeah. Proper belly yeah, laughs at Faulty Towers. Really? Christ. No, I don't think so. What Friends had going for it was it was it continued, didn't it? It was it was a, a story over ten years. They, they, the characters kept involving, going on and on and on. People kept coming back in. It had loads of guest stars and something. Was well, something like Faulty Towers was only twelve episodes. Well, it's, had- it's just a different way of making television in the states, isn't it? There are twenty-two or twenty-four episodes per season. Yeah, you, just, mean, you, you don't you, don't get that in England now. It doesn't, they're not made like that here. They're not. Uh, generally, because in England there's one writer, whereas in America they have a writers you know writers pool. A pool writers of writers. Of... Well, they'll have a creator or creators. Like I think in the case of Friends, it was Marta Kaufman and David Crane. They created the show, but there would have been like twenty Fraser. writers working on. Um, sorry. That's Fraser's brother, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, no, that was Niles. Ah. Oh, who, funny enough, David Crane and Marta Cuffin also created Mad About You. And um, Lisa Kudrow was in that playing a character called Ursula Buffet, who is Phoebe's twin was sister. the sister of... Yeah. So, I mean, she, she they, was a kind of a spin-off, actually, originally, Friends, from Mad About You. Which was remade in this country, and it was crap. Did you ever see it? Mad About You? The yeah. UK, no. The UK remake. I didn't watch the American one either. <laughs> no, the American one was okay. It had um, Helen Hunt and... Helen um, Hunt and, um, the, the and guy Paul Reiser. From, yeah, that's Paul it. Reiser. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It had that uh, that really deadpan um, uh, American comedian, Steve somebody. Uh, I forget his name. Steve right. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. One of my favourite comedians. That's probably why I watched it. But they remade it in England um, with the guy from Gregory's Girl, whatever his name was. Oh, the ginger John from Gregory's Sinclair. Girl. Yeah, and uh, it was just awful. Almost scene for scene remake, and it was just crap. Unbelievable. Anyway. Right, Mr. Botwright, you want to have a one? Um, Do you have any friends? <laughs> oh, hardy heart. It was, <laughs> it was of its time, I think. Um, I don't particularly like it, and I'll be honest, I don't really like anything that follows the, the kind of blueprint that it's set um, but it it was like kind of you know stuff like the Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. It was inoffensive. It was you know it, it's just is you know people find them relatively amusing you know. But greatest sitcom, I I don't think it, I don't even think it's close. I like Big Bang. Do you like Friends? Um, it's worth watching episodes with Matt LeBlanc, which was also created by David Crane. Um, where yeah, it that's really pokes, good. It really, it's really funny and it pokes fun at the whole. US networks and comedy shows on that. Um, uh, but and LeBlanc plays a, 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 you know, a fictional version of himself in, in the TV series. It's, it's excellent. It's very, very funny. Um, which, which show is that? Episodes. episodes. Oh, episodes. No, not, yeah, sorry, yeah. not Joey, no. That bomb, sorry, your I, belief. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, episodes yeah, is episodes excellent. Is excellent. Yeah. yeah and, and I bet that's very, very true to life as well. 
Oh, no, yeah. There's a great bit in it where they're talking about, you know, I think they're transferring a UK series, uh, like they've been successful called Lyman's Boys and turning it into a US series because, yep. to do, you know, it gets turned into, you know, goes from being a history teacher to being a hockey coach played by Matt LeBlanc rather than Richard Griffiths playing, <laughs> playing, uh, playing a history teacher. And um, and in the English version, it was um, he was in love with a, a, the librarian, but she's a lesbian, so we can never actually have her. And Joe and Matt LeBlanc goes, you know, you're going to make her straight. We, we're going to have him. Because why? Why? Because, well, because you have six episodes of series. You did four series. That's like that's one season in the States. If you've got nowhere to go narratively, then, then and it was like, you know, thinking, well, actually, he's got a point. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> you know, so it, it's very knowing. It's clearly, you know, they based it upon their experiences working in the networks for the networks in the States and producing, you know, American sitcoms. And, and it's very, very funny. So if you haven't seen it, I think you can see season one and two are already on Netflix. I'm getting paid for every plug, I think. <laughs> 50, 50 P a plug. <laughs> uh, it's interesting you say that about the you know um, story actions and where characters are going and so on. There, there is a, I can't remember which website it is, if I remember by the time this uh, podcast, because I'll put it in the thread underneath, but uh, it goes through um, basically US sitcoms from the, the 60s onwards, and it's the characters that just suddenly disappear from these sitcoms. You know these long re- or they suddenly get replaced that's the funniest one when they suddenly change the actor halfway through like no one's ever going to notice yeah <laughs> they did that on Razan didn't they didn't they change Razan's daughter yeah they did yeah actor. yeah yeah so it, it's it's actually really quite entertaining and uh if i remember i'll put the link in under here right uh, before we wrap up another bit of tv news uh, alexander armstrong seems to be on a bit of a roll at the minute um and he's going to voice the new danger mouse uh, series which is coming back to kids tv now uh, this got us thinking kids tv what did we enjoy watching uh when we were kids and you know we can go over uh, quite a, a age range here because we've got steve who's in his 50s and then we come back to <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh come back to uh mark who's obviously in his teens so <laughs> which which mark <laughs> yeah we'll let the audience decide um so in terms of kids tv's uh, or kids TV, you know, what was the best TV show? And, and I'm going to say Grange Hill. It, it, yeah. That was, and the only reason I enjoyed watching that was because I was told I wasn't allowed to. I thought you were going to say for the big sausage at the beginning. <laughs> 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 that was legendary. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it was a bit of a challenge because obviously my parents have said you are not what because it was the whole Zamo drugs storyline when I was a kid, uh, so I was not allowed to watch it because they thought it was you know Subversive. all about yeah basically. And uh, but it's endured, you know. I think just say no, and you know Roland, <laughs> where are you going, Roland? Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker yeah. Jenkins, Eton. Yeah, Tucker as well. He, he got AIDS, didn't he? Do you remember the spin-off, <laughs> Tucker's Luck? Tucker yeah. Didn't get yes. AIDS. With Alan, Alan, the judo expert, and, and the guy, and the I can't remember his name, he was the, the black lad who played for Crystal Palace. He went on to play for Crystal Palace Reserves and then got a really terrible injury. Danny, is it? Is that right? I have to go and look that. It's all coming back to <laughs> well, me now. I vaguely remember it, but clearly you don't know a lot better than I do, Mark. Yeah, it's better than I thought. I didn't even know I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly he turned to f***ing Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> Took us luck, you know. Three, two, one question. We've got a TV show from the early 80s and suddenly you're all over it. Yeah, you're hitting my level now. And on the similar vein, Jossie's Giants was, I like Jossie's Giants. Everyone remember that? It was written by Sid Waddell, the uh, darts commentator about a kids' football team. 
No, I meant <laughs> Jossie Stein's. <laughs> no. no idea. Yeah, yeah no. I can't remember that. that. was good. And they played in Derby County Strips, which is, I support Derby, so that was another reason I quite liked it. I always Gosh. liked Mr. Ben. Yeah, that <laughs> was a big favourite. Yeah. How many episodes like, of that were there? Uh, probably actually, very few, apparently, weren't there? Very few. Well, there, there was Mr. Ben and there was Bod as well. Bod. Bod. Oh, oh, my yeah, God. Bod. <laughs> I, like, I like Bagpuss. That was always good. Uh, yeah, and good. the Clangers, I really like the Clangers. I mean, there were some good drugs going around, clearly in the 70s, yeah. on kids' TV programs. Oh, I like the Clangers more very, than very left field. Yeah, so we'll not mention um, somebody fixing something. <laughs> not that one. Oh, I watched, sat down and watched, um, in the summer holiday, start of the summer holiday, I sat down and watched Camberwick Green, the first episode of Camberwick Green with my um, five-year-old daughter. And, and honestly, it was, you remember Windy Miller, presumably? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, the, the episode centered around him getting pissed on Scrumpy, so he, he couldn't do his job. He was asleep at the mill, and the, the baker had turned up and given it and gave him loads of jip about that, the fact he needed to um, get with the times and, and, and industrialize and all this stuff. And I think this is absolutely brilliant. They don't do this now. The, the lead character getting rat on Scrumpy—that's proper TV. That is. <laughs> Watch it on YouTube. Honestly, you will not believe your eyes. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, obviously, the other classic is The Man You're Roundabout, for me. Yeah. Never watched it. Well, no, because that's when you were born. <laughs> uh, Mr. Botwright, come on, you must have some. Oh, um, he I, I preferred uh, the kind of cartoons with a slight sci-fi twist. Um, Brave Star. I don't know if anyone remembers that one. Battle to the Planets. Remember that one. He-Man. Mask. Mask was Mask. good. Or was no. that the, the uh, from the film? The, uh, no, the offshoot of the film? No, 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 no. There were vehicles that changed into kind of, you know, well, just different vehicles, actually. Isn't that uh, <laughs> rubbish, <laughs> rubbish Transformers? No, it, then, it was it? very good. They sold toys. They had masks. Um, <laughs> Count Duckula, though, if bringing it all the way back to Danger Mouse, Count Duckula was a personal favourite. Um, because, of course, as we all know, he originally appeared in Danger Mouse, and that's why David Jason voiced Count Duckula. What I did love about those old series, though, was the amount of shots that just got reused, because Danger Mouse in particular yeah. just used to reuse, you know, kind of 10 seconds at a time just to kind of pad out. Well, we should talk about padding, but, you know, <laughs> one episode. And that's Kids TV on the AV Forums podcast. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as I used to watch art, art when I was a kid, that I really liked, but I don't think anyone else ever saw it or had ever heard of it. And it wasn't until I found it on IMDb that even I began to, because I began to question my own sanity. I thought, maybe I, maybe I imagined this show. It was called Star Maidens, and it was about a, a planet where the women were in charge and the men were the slaves. And they, Why did that stick in your memory? <laughs> well, it was a science fiction film back when science, well, science fiction TV series, when they weren't that common. And um, I quite like the idea of, you know, role reversal. No, well, it it, honestly, not only did it exist, I bought the DVD just so I could watch it again. Oh, it was shit. I really... <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> yeah. The effects I thought were really good when I was about 10. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> uh, Metal Mickey? Oh, yeah. I used to really fancy the... Good image for me. The robot. Yeah, yeah. He was... <laughs> Boy, he was nice set nice of metal bars there. <laughs> he, had, he had a catchphrase as well, didn't he? Mickey DeLenz from the Monkees. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it could have been. Is that right? It was called Mickey. Um, what was his? Was it? Um, what was his catchphrase? 
He had a catchphrase, didn't he? He used to stick his thumbs up and work from side to side and say something. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did, didn't he? Oh, I can't God. remember. And the old grandma sitting in the corner. Who played the grandma? What was her name? Irene somebody. Irene Handel. Irene Handel. Yeah. Mm. Did result in a quite a good song by um, Suede. Rent a ghost. Oh, Rent a ghost. Rent a ghost was brilliant. <laughs> it was awesome. That was funny. <laughs> Again, I think some serious drugs were going around the Reuters <laughs> room on that one. Yeah, it seems to be like seventies and eighties. Yeah, some very strange things going on. I used to live down the street from the guy. Do you remember Picture Box? It was on Granada TV. I can't remember exactly what happened. I was quite young. Do you remember it, Steve? I do not. Is no. this a confession, Mark? <laughs> no, yeah, it's a seventies TV star. I'm not going no further, but I don't, uh, yeah, uh, no. But I just, I just the guy just lived next door, but with like three or four from me. But I was too young to really appreciate the program. I'm gonna have to go and look it up. And I used to really enjoy watching Take Heart, which was made in Bristol with, um, well, um, Arpan Animation who, anim- who animated um, Morph. And, um, that was really good because I liked it when those days. You know, these days if you're on TV, you have to be like eighteen or twenty and good looking but you used to have old people doing stuff in my day yeah look that way look where yeah, look what happened. Look yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right i think we've gone far enough <laughs> before we get ourselves into some real uh bother uh, right okay so uh, that wraps up the av forums podcast for yet another week and uh, we managed to make it to at least an hour long or it should be around about that um there is quite a bit to cut <laughs> Get out at the end there. Um, my thanks to Steve Withers. I can't do it yet, Phil. I lost the page. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Get into character, are you? I was trying to get into character, and I can't even do it in a straight face. Sorry, they can't, they can't see your face. <laughs> Thank God. Small mercies. You still put some makeup on, though. <laughs> You've bled with Wallish. Now bleed with me. Mark Hodgkinson. That was worth waiting for, wasn't it? Uh, we all end up dead. It's just a question of how and why. It's Irish. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Mark Buttright. I'm not the pup. <laughs> You're not what? It went a bit cranky there, I'll admit that. Okay. Well, cranky, it went a bit. You want to try again? You think it'll be better on the second take? <laughs> well, let's give it a go. I'm not the pup. <laughs> I saw too much Super Gran as a kid, all right? She was a Geordie. Was she? <laughs> and Simon Crust. Some men are longer than others. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Thanks very much again. I'm Phil Hinton, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs>